The questions you always had. The answers you were never given. The place to seek the truth. Welcome to Veritas. Tonight, we dive into much-needed financial education. Yes, at Veritas, we like to cover everything that matters. And financial health is crucial, especially during times of turmoil and uncertainty. Aside from the Great Recession, the past two years have tested every human being, especially those who have to provide for themselves and their families. Our inflation rate is at 7.5% as of January 2022, and this is before the Ukraine-Russia conflict. And this is expected to continue rising. If you're only putting your money in the bank, you're losing money. The bank gives you negative 1%, and inflation is taking 7.5%. You need to find ways to make your money produce. You need to establish a financial foundation by protecting your money, by managing your debt, by creating an emergency fund, and by investing. That is why I want to use the Veritas platform tonight to help you navigate and find new financial solutions. I want to bring the best out of you to find your hidden talents and take the fear away from you. I know most of my listeners are talented, but many write to me asking for advice on how to improve your finances. You'll be very happy with tonight's guest. So stay with us. You are listening to Veritas. If this is your first time, welcome home. To listen to tonight's full interview and all of our material, join the Veritas family and click on the subscribe button at veritasradio.com. You can make your purchase with a credit card, PayPal, cash, check, money order, and even cryptocurrency. We are now accepting Bitcoin, Litecoin, Ethereum, and more. Don't forget to visit the Veritas store for Focused Life Force Energy, MMS, Rebounders, CBD Pure Hemp Oil, Pure Organic Sulfur, Flash Drives with all our Sanitas and Veritas Seasons, and other great products. And if you want to get in touch with Mel, want to be a guest on this radio program, have a guest suggestion, or have feedback, just click on the contact button of our website at veritasradio.com. And now, here's your host, Mel Hostelrick. Rory K. Douglas is a financial educator, best-selling author, and high-performance life coach. He is the founder of Aqua Financial Center in Woodland Hills, California. He's on a national campaign to spread financial literacy. His newly released book, Cracking the Rich Code, is an Amazon international bestseller all over the world. Rory collaborated with powerhouse speakers like number one New York Times bestselling author and business strategist Tony Robbins, American number one success coach Jim Britt, and the star of the hit show Shark Tank, Kevin Harrington. Rory was recently honored as one of the top 100 global leaders in insurance and finance. His website is RoryKDouglas.com. And tonight, to help us crack the financial code, I'd like to introduce, from Southern California, the financial gentleman himself, Rory K. Douglas. Hello, Rory, and welcome to Veritas. How are you? Man, I am doing phenomenal on top of the world. If it gets any better, I'm going to complain, Mel. <laughs> well, let me just tell the audience how I found you. You know... A lot of people criticize TikTok in many ways, but it's, it is so effective in conveying information in a matter of 30 seconds to two minutes. You have caught the attention of many, many people, including me. And I've been following your work for the past, I believe, a year or two now. And I decided to bring you in for 
two reasons. First, because of the unique way in which you teach people. And number two, because for the last two years, people have suffered a lot financially and they're looking for ways to improve their lives. So what a great combination and opportunity to bring you here today. But first, who is the financial gentleman, Rory Douglas? Take us back to when you were considered a troubled youth. Wow. You know, um, my beginning wasn't that rosy. I uh, basically came up in the south side of Chicago, Illinois. Um, and um, when I was in school, right now I'm 57, but when I was in school as a young child, I got kicked out of every elementary school and every high school. And as you said, I was labeled as a troubled youth. It wasn't because I was a bad student. I mean, I could actually listen to the teacher and recite their words word from word. However, I had a disability that was unbeknownst to me that was called dyslexia. I read things backwards. So being embarrassed of my disability, not being able to understand why I'm having problems reading, whenever there was an open book or test, I created a distraction to get kicked out of the class, whether I was shoving someone or throwing something down just to get thrown out the class. So that's the reason why I got kicked out of so many schools. But it wasn't until I was about 12 years old, I was in the car with my mom going down the road. And my mom is my mentor. My father passed at a young age and my mom worked three jobs to take care of my family. And uh, my mother was trying to get somewhere and she insists, Mel, that I read some instructions. And I tried to do the same thing I did in class by basically trying to create a distraction so I don't have to actually face the challenge. But you know how mother's is. She insists, you better read it. So I tried to read it. I couldn't read it. Then there were some problems and she noticed it. So she took me actually to the uh, school and talked to the counselors and they tested me and found out that I had something that was called dyslexia. However, I tell people today that you can have a disability, but you don't have to be disabled. And I see people today that are dis that has disabilities that do more than people who have all of their faculties in order. So I always tell people, as I said, you know, I allow my uh, disability to be my superpower. So if I can get over that, I can get over anything. And one thing I've learned whenever you're challenged, this is for everybody that's looking and listening, well, everybody's listening, rather. When you have a challenge in life, uh, you get a chance to really, really see who you are because you spend a lot of time with yourself. In other words, I became the best actor of my life because I knew my limitations and I also knew my my strength at the same token. However, being vulnerable through my limitations, I couldn't really, really uh, be that 100% of my gift that I had inside of me. So to this very, very day, I use uh, that disability as my superpower. But I got over dyslexia, went back to school, went to the top of the food chain. I got great grades. And ever since then, I've been pretty much a serial entrepreneur. But if I had to do it all over again, I wouldn't uh, change a thing because I tell you, and I tell everybody this also too, most people spend more time outside of themselves with very little time with themselves. So I would encourage people to spend time with yourself. You got greatness inside of you and don't be afraid of the disability or anything that you may be challenged with. Cause I always tell people that a setback is, is, is a, a comeback. It's a setup for a comeback. So that's what it's all about. So, that was my beginning. And uh, 
I'm I'm just so excited about what I went through in the past. That's why it made me be the person I am today. I guess that's how I would answer that. So would you attribute your upbringing to where you are today? Yes, definitely. I, I would contribute what happened as a young child uh, going through that disability. I credit that to this very, very day. How did you become this media sensation? Because you're using social media in a very, very savvy way. Well, I'll tell you one thing I, I discovered a long time ago, Mel. I discovered a long time ago that um, people, they really don't buy books. They don't buy music. They don't buy gimmicks. They buy you. And one thing I've always been, I haven't been afraid to be me. And, and that's what it's all about. If you could be you, you'll find out that there's greatness inside of you and your dreams are not a figment of your imagination, just showing you glimpses of your future. So I believe in me. I'm my, I'm my number one fan. And I speak to people's heart because I've been there and done that. So people pretty much resonate to me because they know I'm speaking sincerely. I always tell people the way you speak, the tone of your voice says a lot about you. Absolutely. And this is what caught my attention. Now, you always mention have money for a lifetime, not for lunchtime. Please explain. <laughs> have money for a lifetime, not a lunchtime. Yeah, you know, it's funny because... Um, Right now, as we speak, uh, before the pandemic, the average American was one to two paychecks away from being homeless and one out of three in debt. And the average American family cannot even handle a $400 emergency. Yet we're in one of the richest countries. Why is that? It's not a money problem. It's a literacy problem, a lack of financial knowledge. So once you learn the basic principles of money and you learn what the rich and the wealthy knows, then you'll have money for a lifetime and not a lunchtime. So that's what my whole uh, campaign is about, spreading financial literacy, educating as many people as possible, because right now we live in one of the richest countries, but people are still poor. And my definition of poor is not a disrespectful meaning. Poor just stands for pa uh, uh, passing over opportunities repeatedly. Let me say that again, passing over opportunities repeatedly. Once you get the information, Uh, once you learn the language of, of the rich and the wealthy and you learn how money works, you'll have money for a lifetime and not a lunchtime. You know, I always try to remember the Pythagorean theorems that I was taught in school and I don't use them. And I wonder if instead of that, I was taught and luckily I went to financial school and all that. But most people, they were not taught even how to write a check. Uh, you know, a lot of the yeah. things that were taught in the, you know, the old days, how to write a check, how to make a budget, how to invest. Why is it that we don't teach that in school, at least in high school? Well, you know, uh, it's funny because I remember as a child, and I know you probably can relate to this also, too, that, you know, you had things in school like uh, metal and automobile and autom automotives and You had, um, you know, home economics, cooking, whatever it may be. So schools were pretty much, they had the trades inside of schools. But once the uh, trades and once the things came out of school, then we seen things turned around. And I think that um, it's really all about empowering young people to pursue their purpose at a young age by giving them a trade and showing them things and teaching them things. But today, those things are not happening. So we see the results of those things not happening. What is your opinion of crypto? Of course, this is the new Vogue term. A lot of people are into Bitcoin, Litecoin, and the rest of them. What is your opinion of this? Well, I think that uh, crypto has more value 
than the U.S. dollar. I'll tell you the reason <laughs> why sure. I would say that. Because, you know, when I was a kid, um, you know, well, originally, I'll go back. Originally, the dollar bill was backed by gold. You know, one U.S. dollar paid a bear one dollar in gold. When I was a kid, we had something called a silver certificate dollar. You probably remember that. Yes. One dollar, U.S. dollar, one dollar in silver. Now, the gold is gone. The silver is gone. Now, the dollar bill says note, like car note, house note. It's borrowed. It has no value. So if a depression took place today, as we speak, monies will be laid out in the street with no value. So we have like a fiat economy. So what's the difference between money with no value and crypto? I think crypto is the future. It's cutting edge. And uh, the world is changing. And people, you know, are changing also, too. Going back to what we talked about earlier, when I was saying to you, the poverty level in America and abroad, you have to really think about it. We go into uh, the banks on average, we get less than 1% on our money. So when we think about it, the banks give us less than 1%. And as you and I speak right now, you know, inflation is climbing above 7%. So you have to really think about that. If the bank has given us less than 1% and inflation is above 7%, man, you could be literally be saving money in the bank as we speak and losing money at the same time because your money is just being saved in the bank. You're not getting getting ahead. So I always tell people, would you rather put monies in the bank and get negative 1% or would you rather put your money where the bank put their money? And I think that's where it's at. Right now, people are starting to become more educated about how the bank work, how systems work. And they're seeing that crypto can basically benefit them even even more. So people are getting more bang for their buck. So I think crypto is is the future. Uh, you know, we went from brick and mortar to click and order. So now, you know, we connected with the world. You know, we connected with the world. Like what's happening right now, you know, with the uh, war and things of that sort, the whole world is plugged in. So, you know, right now, crypto is something that's happening all around the world. So it's uh, I think we just have to be able to embrace change and um, accept what's happening and use it to our benefit. This interview is going to be all encompassing because every time you say something, something else comes to mind. I'm thinking of, uh, did I hear you say that the banks are no longer required to hold 10% of our money? In other words, you put $100 in the bank and the bank lends nine times or 900. They create money out of thin air, fractional banking. But now when you go to the bank, you don't even see people. You need to make an appointment. Uh, yeah, break and mortar. But I think the, the branches are going away to just electronic banking. Oh, wow. Yeah, you said that. Man, you right on. This is great. I love this conversation. I'll tell you this. Uh, I, I've said that banks are only required to keep 10% of our deposits. However, during the, uh, the pandemic last year, banks, the Fed said you don't have to keep anything. So just recently, banks now are only keeping 10% of our deposits. So I always tell people that um, you want to really, really focus on fractional banking. And I want to be clear so people can get the education. And infinite banking. So fractional banking, banks, once again, by law, are required to keep only 10% of our deposit. So if I deposit $1,000 in the bank, the bank is only required to keep nine. And what they're going to invest that nine in? Uh, you know, home loans, student loans, credit cards, uh, real estate, stock market. And then the banks do something that may come to a surprise to a lot of people. Banks are heavily invested in life insurance. It's called B-O-L-I, B-O-L-I, Bank Owned Life Insurance. Last year during the pandemic, 
the banks in America purchase over $190 billion in life insurance. So people can look into that. But uh, the bottom line is, is that we go into the store today. What do we see? Machines. We go into the bank. We see machines. We go into the airport. We see machines. In the next five years, 85 million jobs are going to be displaced and in America. So you have to really think about that. We've uh, dealing with a time now where AI is taking over. A robot is about to take someone's job. So that's the reason why we got to really, really change and learn what's happening here, because I think technology can be a benefit, but it also can be a major hindrance for a lot of people because most people are pretty much conditioned to the nine to five work week or the nine to five mentality. And it's something that I call 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40. The average American works about 40 hours a week, works for 40 years and then try to retire male off of 40% of their retirement. And why do I say try to retire for 40% of their retirement? Because if you're retiring and let's say you have a 401k or TSP or pension, whatever it may be, and let's say you have a half a million dollars in your uh, 401k. Well, actually, a large percentage of that is going toward taxes. So we have to really, really educate ourselves because a lot of people are falling by the wayside, once again, because of a lack of financial literacy. I want to discuss our artificial intelligence later because that's going to be a transformation for not only the United States, but for the world. But let me stay here with whole life insurance. Banks buy life insurance because it offers benefits not available through their own products and institutions. Bank products have low rates and are taxable, while life insurance offers guaranteed growth, tax advantages, and an opportunity to shore up balance sheets with an asset so reliable it can be used as collateral. I want you to stay with life insurance because a lot of people are confused. They think you're buying a life insurance policy, but there's a big difference between whole life and a simple life insurance policy, correct? Yeah, there's a big difference, but I think something even deeper than that, we have to basically first break it down. See, whenever you hear the word insurance, it has to be attached to something. You just can't have insurance. So if I said uh, automobile insurance, you think about a car. If I said homeowner's insurance, you think about a home. But when people say life insurance, most Americans in abroad think about someone passing or dying. But the true meaning of life insurance is to transfer wealth. That's the true meaning, to transfer wealth. However, you have a type of insurance that's called final expense, and I'm sure you've heard of it. Final expense is specifically for burial. Final expense pays out within 48 hours without a death certificate. So we should never really be seeing GoFundMes, uh, bake sales, people standing on corners to bury their loved ones because final expense is so inexpensive that everyone should have final expense. Traditional life insurance can take anywhere between six to eight weeks to pay out. And sometimes funeral homes want their money right away. So a lot of people are in vulnerable positions. But I think as 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 Americans and, and, and abroad, we have to really understand the true meaning of life insurance. It's wealth transformation. And that's why the banks use it for those benefits. And not only that, banks heavily use it, like you said earlier, because it's tax free. And I think it's something everyone should know and write it down. Um, Internal Revenue Service Tax Code 7702. 7702. It's really important because 7702 is, is the reason why life insurance is tax free. And a lot of people don't know we have three types of taxes. We have tax now, tax later, 
tax advantage. Tax now is like a checkings account or a savings account. Think about that. The same bank that we save money in that doesn't save our money still tax our money. Then we have tax later. That's like a 401k or TSP or 403b and IRA and so on. That's tax later. And that's a bad deal in a lot of cases because I could say, hey, Mel, I'm going to give you $100,000 today, but I'm coming back in 30 years. And then I'm going to tell you how many taxes you owe me on that. And then we have tax advantage. Tax advantage accounts are like Roth IRAs, life insurance, college savings plan, and they're tax free. So you have to learn exactly how to go from tax now to tax free. So I really like to educate people about life insurance, how it can be used, and then the different types of life insurance. And I'm a firm believer that there's no such thing as a bad life insurance, uh, and bad insurance rather. It really comes down to the right insurance for the person. When you look at the LA skyline or Miami or San Francisco, and you see these buildings, a lot of them are insurance companies or banks using the money from the, li the whole life insurance policies. Am I right? You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Because see, you have something that's called high value, high value um, whole life, life insurance. It's high value, high cash value. And something uh, about the high value, it's, it's really important because not only do you have large sums of money in these type of policies, You also can use the money that's in these policies to leverage your money. And then we can get into some infinite banking, whether it's on a small level or going all the way to the top, as you talked about when we, kind of, when we talk about corporations and things of that sort. And that's something that's called um, bank-owned life insurance and corporate-owned life insurance. But the bottom line is, is that when you have a cash value, whole life, life insurance, a high cash value, that means that you can have a certain amount of money in your policy. And you can take a loan out technically against that money, a lifetime loan. When I say a lifetime loan, let me digress so I can break it down. I have a whole life policy and I have a substantial amount of uh, money in that policy. I can keep that policy there and still get compounding interest and possible dividends, which means my money is growing. And at the same token, I can say, hey, I got a million dollars here but I want to take out $800,000 and I can get $800,000 off of my policy at a very low rate so I can leverage my money. And it's a lifetime loan. So if I imagine having a loan that you don't have ever have to pay, but quite naturally, if you pass the life insurance policy, have a death benefit, which will take out what you took out. But the bottom line is, is we see a lot of banks and companies leveraging their money to actually create other projects and things of that sort. And we can do the same thing, too, as a common American or citizen in general. Are you essentially saying that when you have this policy, you are turning into your own bank? BYOB, Mel, BYOB. That's my favorite saying, BYOB, be your own bank. And you know what? I'm not talking against banks because banks do what I'm telling you. I call it smart banking. Now explain that. Well, smart banking is doing what the banks do. As I said earlier, we go to the bank, we put our monies in the bank. The bank give us on average negative 1%. Bank takes our money. They don't save it. They put it inside of the market in other places and get all of the compounding interest. So I always tell people, would you rather put monies in the bank and get negative 1% or would you rather put your money where the bank put their money? And that's where the education comes in.
That's called smart banking. Now, anybody listening right now must be thinking, why in the world do I have a penny in the bank? <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know, it's funny because uh, when I said I'm not, I don't talk about the banks, I'm sincere about that. It's called smart banking. So I think what we should be doing is, is pretty much mimicking the banks. That's what we should be doing. However, most people, they don't do that because of how we were taught. We were taught, you know, go to school, get a good uh, grades which is, and get your education, get out, get a job. And uh, banks are pretty much, we're always taught that banks are safe and that's where you put your money. And uh, banks are not as safe as people think they are, because if you walk inside of a bank, the first thing you'll see is the Federal Reserve only insures our money up to $250,000. So we got to really, you know, get educated about all these different things and take advantage of the advantages that the banks actually have also, too. I call it smart banking. I give the banks an applause. But I challenge people to learn what the banks are doing. You got people out there like yourself, myself, and a lot of people out there giving some great information. And that's what it's all about. That's what I mean by having money for a lifetime and not a lunchtime. I don't want to spread fear, Rory, but with the way things are, the hyperinflation that is only going up, and we see these bank runs that happened in Canada recently, it's happening now in Russia and elsewhere. In the United States, we have, as you know, the FDAC, as you mentioned. But if people decided to go tomorrow and take their money, there's not going to be enough money anyway. Is this just a, uh, uh, this policy that they tell us, is it just, is it true that they can actually cover or the, is the Fed going to just print more money? Well, you know, inflation is when a government prints up more money they can account for. And uh, as we speak, and I'm sure you know this, Mel, never in history has as much money has been printed up. Right Thir- now, 31 you- trillion. Yes. Right now, you and I talk, the greatest wealth transformation is taking place. The greatest wealth transformation. We have $13 trillion sitting in U.S. banks and abroad earning less than 1%. We have $27 trillion sitting inside of retirement plans. And we have about 1 million baby boomers retiring every single day. And um, when we look at what's happening out here, and we're just printing money, and once again, you're printing money with no value. So you got to read between the lines. You're printing money with no value. And I think that uh, people are going to have to really, really recognize that and start learning uh, that um, when you do get monies, I think you should turn your monies into tangible assets. By the way, 30.3, $30.3 trillion is the U.S. national debt right now. And That's you mentioned right. the baby boomers. I hear from other financial advisors who tell me I'm getting so many phone calls from people who are still productive. They still have about seven to 10 years left, but after the pandemic, they realize they want to do something meaningful with their lives and they want to retire now. Do you see a great resignation taking place soon? Oh my God, Mel, you asked us some great questions. I just love this interview with you, man. You spot on. Yes. Uh, there is a total exodus of people leaving Uh, companies. And uh, I'll tell you the reason why. These are facts. Today, the average American keeps a job in corporate America every for uh, five to six years. That's facts, the average person. And what people are seeing now through AI technology, blockchain, 
crypto, all these different things that's happening right now. The pandemic, you know, although it was unfortunate and we're dealing with it right now, but I think a lot of people learned a lot during this time. Uh, they learned that they had to find ways to survive. And people discovered that it's a new world. I can give you an example. Uh, before the pandemic, my business was about 95% face-to-face client base coming to the office. And uh, after the pandemic, it went polar opposite, 5% face-to-face, 95% uh, technical. And when I looked at the increase in my business, it jumped up about 90% during the pandemic. So people today have seen when they had to operate from home, whatever it may be, they've seen the cost effectiveness of it, of not paying for, you know, automobile gas and all the stuff that they did. They were bunkered down and they had to really, really learn how to survive and navigate rather and keep life moving. So people are starting to realize that um, you have to become an entrepreneur in so many different ways because, I firmly believe in life, you're only going to be doing two things. Either you're going to be working to fulfill your own vision or working to fulfill someone else's vision. And it's sad to say that most people are working to fulfill someone else's vision. And at the same token, I challenge people. I tell people your job is what you get paid for, but your calling is what you were made for. What I mean by your calling, your calling is that thing that's inside of you, that dream, that destiny. And uh, most people today, they pretty much get conditioned to a nine to five mentality, not to say anything is wrong with a job, but the bottom line is people today are starting to realize that they can't make it with a job. My definition of job is just over broke. And I'll back it up because I'll tell you this, poverty in America starts family of four making $30,000 or less. A single individual, $15,000 or less. Wealth begins at 150,000. In other words, you can't even get into the wealth column unless unless you're clearing $150,000. But here's the bombshell. There's only 5% of Americans that are in the wealth column. That's $100,000 gray area. So people are waking up. People are shaping up, shipping out. That's what's happening, Mel. With Amazon and Walmart, retail stores are dying. And then most of the labor, you know, the, 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 the employees that had to go home and work from home. I wonder if a lot of these employees realize why do we need to rent this building or why do we keep an asset if we own it? What do you think is going to happen to the price of commercial real estate? I don't mean to deviate from your areas, but I wonder what your take is on this. Ooh, man, you, I tell you, you're too good, man. I'm telling you, you're too good. All right, <laughs> so we're going to... Okay, I'll tell you this. Right now, today, people, they don't buy gimmicks. They don't buy books. They don't buy music. They buy you. I said that earlier. And, you know, when we think in terms of technology, I was in the airport a week ago and I took a look at people and you'd be surprised. I didn't see any communicating going on. Everybody was on a smartphone. Everyone was on a smartphone, just going away on their smartphone. No interaction, no human interaction. But when you look at, uh, statistics in the system and what what does what the, what the what the system and statistics are saying that in the next decade or two the most lucrative careers are going to be through communication yet people are not communicating and people are communicating through technology 
and people are at home and people are working and working in the leisure of their home or they can travel and work and do what they have to do. It's just a different model now. The model is no longer the traditional office in the office setting. Now, the baby boomers are fighting. The, I'm not, I'm, I, I digress. The baby boomers in abroad are fighting against that. But the millennials are ready for that. The baby boomers are fighting against it, but the millennials are ready for it. But I have sad news or bad news or maybe good news. It depends on how people take it. The millennials are going to win because the baby boomers, we've had our time. So the millennials are not going to allow technology to beat them. They're trying to stay ahead with technology. So the office model, in my opinion, it's not really that cost effective. So I see a lot of office buildings being turned into condos. Oh, I've seen that already with malls turning into, into apartments. There it is. And I would say in the next five years, you probably won't even see a mall in America. And that is a sad state of affairs. I went to uh, Barnes & Noble the other day in a, in a city here in Arizona and gone, gone. They're 75% discount for everything. And I wonder how, why did it take that long? when you have Amazon that started selling books. So, you know, I know it's convenient to people to sit down at home, press a button and voila, sometimes you get your items the same day. But at the same time, what's going to happen when Amazon, and I hate to use and give them advertising or Walmart, they, uh, once you get the, 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 first you get the cheap prices, but then they monopolize the market. And then once this, the, the mom and pops are gone, and they raise the price. What's going to happen in the future, in the next 10, 20 years? Well, you know, you hit the nail on the head. You know that uh, when I was a young kid, we had mom and pop stores in our communities. And mom and pop stores were pretty much neutralized because of Walmart and Target. We had hardware stores in our communities. So now you, Walmart and Target comes in the game and they start to pretty much offer everything and uh, beat out the mom and pop stores. So now there's no more mom and pop stores in our community. So then Walmart and Target took charge. This is just another layer of capitalism. It's another layer. And this layer now gets down to Amazon, which is gonna take out a lot of the carrier services like that they're putting a lot of pressure on, like the post office and <laughs> FedEx used to be one of the main guys. They got them in handcuffs. So FedEx, UPS, all these guys are in handcuffs and Amazon is leading the way. So right now we're going to see, in my opinion, a country that's going to be a Walmart target type of nation, which means you're going to have uh, one person, another com competitor that's running the world. And then at that particular time, everyone will pretty much be up under their beck and call. And then they're going to raise the prices and there's nothing you can do about it. It's a whole new model. You and I probably have five and dime stores in every corner. And I remember as a child going to them and that's, you tell that to two kids these days and they have no idea what you're, you're, you're talking about. But the average college student comes out with $25,000 in debt. And those who want to aspire to be doctors and lawyers, anywhere between a hundred to hundred. And I know some that have over 300,000 and the average person is still in student debt in the late forties. Yes. What's that state of affairs today? Well, it's, it's a bad state of affairs because if you top that off of what you just said, it's so, so true. Last year in America, 
all auto loans and credit card loans combined did not surpass student loans. Auto loans and credit card loans combined did not surpass student loans. So once again, I hate to say it, but uh, Americans are left with the bill of disaster. And I think that's the reason why Americans are thinking differently now, which means people are becoming uh, creative. The average American has two jobs and the average millionaire has multiple streams of income. So I would um, say to Americans and say to people who are listening right now, for sure, I think it's dangerous today to have one job. That's dangerous. So you got to learn how to have multiple streams of income. And that's that's what it's all about. But that's the reality. The reality is, is that how are we going to pay the bill? How are we going to pay the debt? We can't. And uh, it's a it's a sad state of affairs. That's the reason why, you know, I, I pretty much do as much as I can in terms of financial education, financial literacy. We really got to get financial literacy in our communities and our homes. And we got to really especially teach our young people because you have to really think about it, Mel. If the average American is one to two paychecks away from being homeless before the pandemic, one out of three in debt, and the average American family cannot handle a $400 emergency, what are the young generation today going to pass to the next generation on, a, on top of all of this stuff that's going on right now? I don't have all the answers, man. I just think that uh, people have to get their shift together. I'd encourage <laughs> shift. They have to shift the way they think. And do it fast. I like that. I like that. By the way, I'm very proud of the demographics that we have. We have people all the way from the age of 18 all the way to 100. Uh, they write to me all the time. They learn so much. But I'm really concerned about the the those in college and universities right now. And I want to give a message to those in high school who are choosing and thinking of the career they want to pursue in the future. Right. Don't you want to tell them what to choose in the future? Because a lot of these careers will be gone before they graduate. And here's the problem. A lot of them go to college. Just the universities give them loans because they are guaranteed by the government. That shouldn't be that way. And they don't care if what you have, an underwater basket weaving major, and then you can't find a job. Well, you know what, Mel? You just sang the song. That could be a Frank Sinatra song. That could be New York, New York. I'll tell you this. <laughs> That um, I, I would say to parents, you want to do this immediately. You want to career trade right away. Just like the Carfax. You got to do a you have to do a career. Repeat that because you got cut off for about five seconds. I tell the parents right now, just like the Carfax, you got to do a career facts check on your ki kid's career right now. Because your kid may be very well paying for an education that's going out when a new one is coming in due to artificial intelligence. And that's what it's all about. So right now you have to take inventory. You have to find out what your kid is pursuing. And then you have to take that and say, okay, is this particular uh, trade or, or, or career is going to be around in the next 10 years or, or, or in, in abroad? And that's what's happening now. You have an old model with kids in college right now paying for that. They get out of college and guess what? There's no job for them. And it's just a bad bill of goods. And that's happening. And it's going to get even worse. It's going to get even worse. I'm telling you, it's going to get to the point where it's going to really be, it's a major problem now, but it's going to get really worse because people are going to be crying out because they paid for all of these particular careers 
that we're going out when a new one is coming in. And my opinion, well, I'm not going to say that, but I really believe that if we could bail off Wall Street, we should bail the American people out when it comes down to student loans. I'm an advocate for erasing student loans. We had planned obsolescence for appliances, then for cars. Now it's for health. And I know some people get offended when I say that, but I venture to say that even professions too in the future, and that's why it's important. I mean, colleges should have, just like a credit bureau, you apply for a home, right? And they know if you can pay for that home or not. Well, if you apply for a loan and the profession that you have, they should have some kind of uh, analytics or an algorithm that tells you, you know, that's not going to be around in the next three to five years. So, no, we're not going to accept giving you this loan. Choose something else. Especially when it's backed by the government. You absolutely right. Exactly. Listen, everything you said, you're spot on. But I'll say this here. There are some measures that parents can take. That's why you you really want to start it. Why why, you start right now while you can do a career fact check on what your kid is pursuing. So therefore you can. But how do you you know? know? How how would parents know what's going to be available in the future or not? Oh, you know what? Today, you don't have to have a brain. All you have to do is go to Google and you can just pretty much say, hey, uh, the uh, media jobs, blah, 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 blah. And they'll tell you some of the some of the things that we see right now, Mel, newspapers. (laughs) You see what's happening in newspapers. You go to the airport. What do we see? Machines. So if you're getting into the airline business, that may not be a good business to get into. So we got all these different industries and you got to look at that industry and you got to see how that industry is going to be affected through artificial intelligence. So you want to make sure that you're doing something that's needed. So I would recommend that most parents learn how to get their kids involved with artificial intelligence. Because right now in my business, you know, it used to be where, you know, you had to do things, medical checks. And now you don't have to do medical checks because of bots. And because of artificial intelligence, things can be done in the, in the twinkle of the eye, which means it creates uh, and downsides total organizations that you don't even need those divisions anymore in your organization because of artificial intelligence. And it's here. And, it, and listen, this is just the beginning. It, it, it's going to get even worse or better. It'll, it'll get better for those individuals who are ahead of the game. But those who are not, which are most people, it's going to get worse. Well, I remember in the mid 80s when I started in the financial industry, working in different companies, they all let go about 70 percent of the personnel because the personal computer took over. But at the same time, you're right. You are absolutely right, Mel. That got past me. That's a good one. Keep going. I didn't so, really cut you off. So, no, that's okay. But uh, I wonder, back then, they, they said to people, well, if you want to continue having a job, you need to go prepare yourself. Go back to the university, uh, go to trade school to prepare yourself to welcome, embrace uh, technology. But what's going to happen now in this occasion in the next five years when I don't know how many millions of jobs will be lost to automation? Are we going to be able to find jobs to those people? 85 million. 85 million. Are we going to be able to find replacements, human replacements, or is robotics here to stay? Robotics is here to stay. We, we're cutting edge robotics. So, uh, wow. You know, it, it's catastrophic when I really think about it. I, I, listen, it is. And, and, and I'm glad that you um, have the knowledge and wisdom to speak on it. 
And I'm I'm tooting my horn everywhere, but I think the average person don't see the reality of what's about to take place in America. Well, all these truckers, and God bless them, they're out there protesting. But what if this is being done in Canada and the United States to prove a point, to say, hey, Tesla has driverless trucks. We don't need you. Don't need you. Don't need you. Starbucks, McDonald's, they can make lattes and drinks without you. Now, what do you think is costing this? Is it it the market forces of inflation and labor cost rising that are pushing employers to do this? You know, it's it's just smart business. Uh, You know, it's just smart business. When I say smart business, not smart business because I'm for it. I'm just saying that when we think in terms of how so many things were made in America, when we go back to, uh, you know, we go back to Ford and we made cars here. We we made cars. We developed things and we got our people involved. So now we basically put all that aside and now we're getting everything from overseas. And that was the beginning model of the demise that's about to take place. That was the beginning model. So right now we're not developing anything and everything is coming from overseas. So we got to get back to the basics. And I, and that that's the word I have also too for families, get back to the basics. If you know how to bake grandma cookies, start baking some cookies, create a, create a stream of revenue, get back to the basics, find out what you're good at, do it. You got to really, really create multiple streams of income. And at the same time, you got to use these technologies to benefit you and not hinder you. But, you know, the government can say a lot of things. You you can give a a State of the Union speech and say all these different types of things. But we see what's happening today. You know, inflation is going through the roof and all these things are happening. So we got to really, really. Get our shift together, man. I keep saying get shift the way we think. But that happened. All the things we did in terms of taking all of our, our trade and manufacturing and allow it to go overseas and be codependent on that. And now we at a place now where we're dealing with artificial intelligence and all of that is happening, taking the human interaction out of the picture. And young kids today, they're on their smartphones. They're not using their smartphones to make money. They're using their smartphones for entertainment. So we got to get really smart and we got to start changing the way we think and start doing things differently. But I think that if we really educate ourselves, Mel, I sincerely think if we educate ourselves, we could beat technology. If well, we really educate ourselves. Outsourcing. We gave China the, the financial rope with which we'll be, be, be hanging. But, uh, you know, I always find it ironic that the biggest capitalist country in the world, the USA, borrows $1.1 trillion from the biggest communist country in the world. Yes. Yes. You see it. And um, I really feel and sincerely believe that uh, as Americans, we always rise to the, the occasion. And I think that those individuals like yourself, myself, and many others We just got to keep sounding the trumpet, man, telling people about what's going on. So people start to really, really take a critical look at what's happening in the system, look at themselves and start making some very, very 
wise changes in their lives because the way things are going, it doesn't look that bright. And that's why you're here, because I have a lot of people who write to me all the time, especially during the pandemic. They're providers. They Sometimes they have to have more than one job because they were let go by one or the other. And they have these ideas. And uh, I, I hate to use the term, but you use it. It's a one-entrepreneur, one correct? Right, a one-entrepreneur. One-entrepreneur. You have to be a, an entrepreneur and you have to lose that fear. But if you're a provider and you, you know, sometimes you have a single mom or a single dad and they want to just rise and just be better financially for their, their children, how do they get the fear out of their equation? Oh, that's a great question. And I, I want to give people some really uh, good insight on that. But when I was when I was talking about a entrepreneur, that's a word I made up. A entrepreneur is a, a person that wants to do something but never pulls the trigger. If you want to be an entrepreneur, you got to be willing on turning your nine to five to your six to nine, which means you got to be willing on working at least 16 hours a day for yourself in order to get to the next level. So when you're talking in terms of parents and, and, and what they can do during this time, it's something I call my three C's, my three C's. I want everybody to listen to this. It works. It really works. The first C is consistency. Consistency is the key to success. You know, consistency, you don't have to be the smartest. You don't have to know the most. Consistency is so important. So as long as you stay consistent, the second C is confidence. You will never gain confidence. Everyone says, I need to gain more confidence. You will never gain confidence if you're not consistent first. Once you're consistent, you begin to gain confidence. Now, confidence doesn't happen overnight. It comes by doing the same thing over and over again. When you do the same thing over and over again, you don't get bitter, you get better. And then the last C, once you're consistent, you gain the confidence. And that last C is courage. You get the courage to win. And I always tell people, when you become fearless, life becomes limitless. Those are so, so important. Let's also talk about foundation. When you build a house, you need to have a, a strong foundation or the house crumbles. The same thing with finances. Let's go with the foundation and the rest of it. Well, once again, like you said, when you build a house from the ground up, you know, you have to have a solid foundation. And then the next thing is you have to protect that foundation. And that's where insurance comes in at, to protect the foundation. And then you go from that to debt management. There's two types of debt. There's good debt and there's bad debt. What? Good debt? Yes. Good debt if I'm paying for my mortgage or my children's education. Bad debt bad habits, wasteful spending, credit cards, that type of thing. Then you go from debt management to emergency fund, emergency fund. There's something that's called the 10-20 rule. The 10-20 rule means that we should have at least six to 10 months of our monthly expenses saved up, six to 10 months. So let's say, for instance, if you had $1,000 in expenses a month, you need a minimum of 6,000 saved up just for emergencies. The 20 represents 20 times your annual salary to retire, 20 times your annual salary to retire. So if you're making $60,000 a year, you need 1.2 million at least to retire. Not at one time, but over time. And then you go from 
emergency fund to investments. And if you notice, most people do it polar opposite. They want to invest first, then they want to have an emergency fund, and then they want to get down there and get out of debt and then have a firm foundation. But I always tell people that the average American pays every bill first before they pay themselves, and that's a bad habit. When you pay your bills before you pay yourself, you're training yourself to be a consumer. So one of the first rules of money, learn how to pay yourself first before you pay any bill. Most Americans are programmed subconsciously to be consumers. And a consumer is one who's controlled by the power of another. So you really want to make sure that you have a firm foundation. And the number one rule is to pay yourself first. Your family bill has to be more important than your cable bill. Speaking of the consumer, I saw this quote from Ezra Pound today. It says, a slave is one who waits for someone to free him. Is a consumer a slave? You're absolutely right, man. You don't hold back. Mel, you don't hold back, man. You come right with it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm trying to be kinder, gentler. (laughs) So how do we get this attitude of somebody has to support me? So I have to depend on my paycheck. And here's another part. Many people are living their lives right now, as you say, one or two paychecks away from bankruptcy or losing their homes. But they have this fear of waking up in the morning, going to their office and seeing a pink slip on their desk. And I have to tell you, many people who write to me, how did you do it, Mel? You work in the financial industry for years and then you finally got out. Well, I did it before I got married. It's very difficult once you're married and you have children to do all this, but I know people can do it. But that fear of of having that paycheck be taken away from you. And yes, those entrepreneurs Believe me, the stress is totally different. But to be in control of your life is a different world, isn't it? It's a much different world. But I think sometimes people are addicted to fear. The fear of winning. The fear of changing. But I would say this. You have to really change your mentality. I always tell people you can either say things are happening for you or to you. And there's never any losses. There's only lessons. And that's the reason why it's important that people today really take a deep look at themselves and step back and realize where we are right now. And I, I said it earlier, I think it's dangerous to have just one job because you're putting all your faith in your job. And I said earlier also too, that the average American today in corporate America keep a job five to six years. So you're buying a house that take on average 15 to 30 years to pay for with faith in a job that only lasts five to six years. Companies today are not offering pensions, no gold watches and those things anymore. It's a new world. It's a new world. So it's going to require a new, uh, a new way of thinking. And that's what it's all about. And it's funny that you and myself, by us being uh, baby boomers, we're reaching back, blowing the trumpet. But as I said earlier, the millennials are ready, man. The millennials are ready. It's just a matter of communication and passing the baton and helping as many people as possible. And I believe that it's going to turn into a movement. And once it turns into a movement, it's just like politics. You know, <laughs> the, the voice rules. So when people start uh, speaking up at the same time and it gets to the point where they have to do something, things will happen. That's what it's all about. But as long as we are separated through parties, 
<laughs> Democrat, Republican, so on, this party, that party. Uh, it's going to be a perpetual circle. That's what it's all about. It's going to be a per- perpetual circle, man. Divide. So for me, yeah. For me, man, I uh, I believe that um, you know, put my head down, help as many people as possible. But before I help other people, I had to help my family and myself. And I really want to give financial education to as many people as possible, so they can start changing their lives and start seeing changes take place in their lives while Divide. we still have time. Divide and conquer. That's their rule. And we need to just understand that even though you, people may have different political affiliations, if you, if you sit down, you'll realize you have more in common with everyone than what the media tries to tell you. But I remember, Rory, years ago, I, uh, I was interviewing a motivational speaker and uh, apparently he had a gentleman next to him listening to the conversation. And he said to me, hey, by the way, I have somebody here who's enjoying the, the talk and he'd like to speak with you. And then he right. came on the microphone and he happened to be the CEO and founder of Ugg Boots from Australia. Wow. And, he, and I just took the opportunity to interview him in a biographical way. And it was interesting to me that a lot of these people who have great ideas and become, you know, billionaires, they started from nothing. So what is the secret, you think, of people who come from nothing and they are able to transmute that into success? Well, as I said earlier, when I was telling you that most people spend more time outside of themselves, what I mean by that? Well, mom and dad wanted me to be a lawyer, wanted me to be a doctor. Oh, the result of that, the average college student changed their major at least four times. So we spend so much time living other people's purpose, other people's dream. And that's the reason why I said to you earlier that my disability was my superpower. I got a chance to spend a lot of time with myself, man. I knew exactly what I could do, what I couldn't do. I, I knew so much. I became the best actor in my life. And that's what it's all about. So many people are, are basically imitating, copycatting. We have very little creators today, very little creators, more duplicators. And that's what it's all about. So I really would ask parents to allow their kids to dream, allow their kids to, you know, identify what your kids really love and like and let them take that and run with it. That's what it's all about. But uh, this old model, man, of, uh, you know, go to school, get an education, good education, get out and get a job. That model is dead. And you wonder why you're not getting any results because you're, you know, you're doing the same thing repeatedly, just like you just talked about with politics. You know, it's the same thing repeatedly. (laughs) You know, doing the same thing over and over again, Mel is insanity. So the stuff that's taking place in America is, is so it's just insane to me. Because you're doing the same thing over and over again, and you think you're going to get a different result. Result, rather, you're not. You're going to get the same thing. So we got to really change the way we do things. I always tell people: if you hang around nine broke people, you'll be the tenth. I guarantee. That wavelength is contagious. So hang out with positive people. And I think it was you who said uh, you never met a person with a positive attitude having a bad day. That's right. That's my that's my alpha model, man. You know, I always tell people your attitude is going to determine your altitude and 90 percent of winning is simply excitement. I I get it. You may be going through a lot right now. You may be out of a job. Your back may be against the wall, but I dare you to get excited about the little things and watch exactly what's going to happen. When you really get excited, you get excited about life. You get excited about being able to see another day. You get excited about the things that really matter, family and just having enough to get by. If you get excited, man, 
I'm telling you, you can get to the next level, but nothing is going to happen when you live a life where you are, uh, you know, you're uptight, you got a bad attitude. It's nothing wrong with being disappointed. I always tell people dissatisfaction leads to change. Dissatisfaction is a good thing. It's a good thing. Sometimes the dark spaces in your life are a good thing because when you're in a dark space and uh, you realize that, hey man, I'm in a dark place, I'm down. The only way I can do now is go up. So you use those things, man, to be your superpower. You use those things to be your superpower. So you got to turn it around, but everything starts with your mind. And I always tell people your greatest asset is your mindset. Everything starts in the mind. Wealth starts within, but we, we're constantly looking out. You got to look in, you got to work within. You, you got to believe from within. That's what it's all about. And you can do anything that you put your mind to. I love your quotes. We have to take a one and only break, but let me just say two other quotes. You say your work is what you get paid for, but your calling is what you're made for. Also, your wealth is your health. You could have millions in the bank, folks, but if you haven't been able to conquer your health uh, because you decided not to exercise, not to eat properly, that is the health you're seeking for. But when we come back, we have a lot more to discuss. I really want to discuss uh, the people who want to start a business, how to bring your business and your life to, to level 10. Uh, basically, the, the, the secrets to strategies for startup businesses, because so many people want to become entrepreneurs. How can people learn more about your work, Rory? Well, they can simply just go to the computer and just put in there Rory K. Douglas, man. I'm like AMC theaters. I'm everywhere. Something planned at all times, man. I keep the ball rolling. And also your book, Cracking the Rich Code, is available where? Cracking the Rich Code is available. They can actually go to RoryKDouglas.com and get an autographed copy, or they can go to Amazon, any of the retailers uh, online to get the actual book, along with all of my other books. And uh, they can go to Rory K. Douglas on uh, Instagram, uh, Twitter, I mean, TikTok, Twitter, and so on. Once again, I'm like AMC theaters, man. I'm everywhere. <laughs> Rory K. Douglas is my special guest today, and he'll give us one more hour of deep thoughts and financial advice when we come back. This is Mel Hostelrich, and you are listening to Veritas. Don't go anywhere. Thank you for listening to the first part of this important Veritas interview. To listen to the rest and all of our material, proceed to the member section or join the Veritas family by subscribing. Click on the subscribe button at veritasradio.com. You can make your purchase with a credit card, PayPal, cash, check, money order, and even cryptocurrency. We are now accepting Bitcoin, Litecoin, and Ethereum. Don't forget to visit the Veritas store for Focus Life Force Energy, MMS, CBD Pure Hemp Oil, Pure Organic Sulfur, flash drives with all our Sanitas and Veritas seasons, and other great products. And if you're listening on YouTube, like, subscribe, and share it and click the bell to be notified when new interviews are available. Now, proceed to the members section or subscribe to listen to the rest of the interview. You don't want to miss it. Thank you for listening to Veritas, because you don't want to believe. You want to know. <laughs>